You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com, and you can keep up with the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. Welcome to the Well-Fed Women Podcast. This is episode number 283. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr of coconutsandkettlebells.com. Today, Steph and I are going to be talking about PUFAs, polyunsaturated fats, from seed oils and whole foods like nuts and seeds. And if you should be doing a PUFA detox, we're also going to be talking about personality testing and what your Enneagram number might say about the health conditions you experience and taking care of yourself mentally and emotionally in the second half of 2020, which is the year that has stressed us all the heck out. Before we jump in, it is now August. Summer is rapidly ending. I feel like it just got here. School is going to start up again. I'm sorry. I know I had to throw that out there. Uh, give yourself the gift of health and sanity with Prep Dish. I love Prep Dish because it lets you outsource your meal planning to the resident expert on the topic, RD and Chef Allison Schaff, who I interviewed in episode number 262. Allison thoughtfully crafts each weekly meal plan using her own well-tested recipes and she does your grocery list for you and then writes out all the instructions for prep work so that dinner is quick and easy for you for the following nights. So in short, with Prep Dish, you basically receive an email every week with both paleo and gluten-free meal plans. And this year, they've added low-carbon keto meal plans and then the grocery list and instructions for prepping your meals for the week. She sends it to you with plenty of time to spare, so it's easy to prep, and the recipes are just really easy to follow and incredibly delicious. She writes them in shorthand, which I love. Right now, you can try out Prep Dish for two weeks for totally free. There's nothing to lose on this. To get your two weeks for free, just go to prepdish.com slash wellfed. You can sign up right there. Apply the code wellfed at checkout, and the cost will be zeroed out. Again, that's prepdish, so P-R-E-P-D-I-S-H dot com slash wellfed. This is the perfect time to start outsourcing something as parents. Your plate is likely going to get really full in the next month, pun intended, with, you know, potentially having to be a teacher again. I don't know what's going to happen yet, but it's it's looking like parents are going to have to be teachers and balancing kids and tutoring and jobs and all the things in the future. So, hi, Stephanie. Hi. How are you doing? <laughs> How are you doing? Since the last time we talked. <laughs> yeah. Doing? How you doing? How you doing? That was a good commercial. How you doing? Uh, yeah, I'm uh, yeah, pretty... Pretty good. Okay. Life's a bit on hold, but also pretty good. You know? Okay. Okay. So I asked you about this. I got permission. <laughs> Guys, I got permission. So this is not out of the blue. But talk to me about your man situation. What's the men's in your life? <laughs> what's, what's going on? My uh, my romantic life currently involves me once every uh, couple weeks feeling like, oh, I'm a little bit bored, and then messaging a ton of people on Tinder, and then being like, wow, this is really stressful. Like, the wolf is stressed. <laughs> oh, this is really stressful. And then, like, and then messaging everybody within a few days and being like, just kidding, I'm not doing this. And they're like, okay. Um, yeah, so that's basically what I'm doing right now. Um, I think I think I told y'all a, a little bit back that 
the guy that ha- I had been seeing for uh, a year or so. And I we split up a while ago and then coronavirus and, you know, and then uh, we split up again. And he was the person. <laughs> and then, you know, and then, you know. <laughs> And then we split up again, and he was the person who used the F word both times. The F word here is friends. <laughs> I'm like, ouch. You know, it's a hard word to hear. Like, it's a hard word to hear. We should be friends. Okay. Um, oh, really? I didn't know you had that combo. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but it is right, and I do feel very much in tune with my book and just comfortable. Like I honestly, I don't, I just don't feel like I, I just don't feel like I need, you know, I have stability, you know, and, and every time I bring a person or an interaction or a possibility and all of the sudden decisions have to be made and decisions come with anxiety. And I really am enjoying right now sort of slowing down and taking my time and focusing on uh, solving the problem of meaninglessness <laughs> for all time. <laughs> uh, but I did, uh, I do occasionally go on Tinder and I had just told Noel that uh, yesterday I stumbled on basically my knight in shining armor because his profile <laughs> photo was uh, dancing salsa. And in his uh, written description, he said, I do like to cook meals with people from time to time, but mostly when I'm alone, I use my microwave and that's just like fine. <laughs> I was like, yes. <laughs> I messaged him immediately. I said, I'm so grateful for you. So we had a nice I'm so little, grateful like, for you. That's yeah, taking a stand for the microwave life. Because, okay, also on dating websites, uh, which I have a lot of experience with, people are always talking about foods and traveling and all these aesthetic experiences they want to share with one another and they talk about like cooking and I just well you know me <laughs> I like convenience so what does what okay so what does your profile say about like if somebody were to learn more about you what does it say do you want do you want me to read you my tinder profile right now yeah uh Stephanie 31 writer University of Oxford lives in Oxford pansexual less than a mile away. <laughs> Philosophy PhD, dancer, advocate, liberator, very bougie taste in gin, and I always take it neat, gin emoji. I do my best to live intentionally, courageously, passionately, beautifully, here for all kinds of things. In that special instance, dot, 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 couple of emojis that may or may not be appropriate. <laughs> so, okay, I'm trying to envision. How much space do you, do you get a certain amount of space that you, like, are you limited in your characters? You could say more, but look, (laughs) my entire career of trying to talk to people on podcasts and the internet, hello audience, has been trying to like, (laughs) trying so hard to to say what I want to say with as few words as possible. Mm. So (laughs) I like like, that's that's the goal. Yeah, Uh, that's what I try to do here in Tinder. So stressful now that I'm thinking about having to write it. Like, how do you describe yourself? Like that just sounds so. How do you deal with that anxiety as an as an introvert, like dating apps and like I don't know, like just yeah. But really I'm an stressful. introvert. I'm an introvert who thinks she's really awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so actually, 
I have, I think I've told y'all that I have this thing where I feel like I need to respond to everybody. And so this is why, like, I'll I'll start because I want to interact with people. And then I get stressed out because all of a sudden I have to, like, at the end of the day, there's a queue of people. There's a queue. There's a queue of people (laughs) that I I need to, um, people, please listen to this episode back to back with the one from two weeks ago. Um, Yeah. Anyway, so there's there's a bunch of people that I feel like, you know, I want to like check in on and make sure everybody feels loved and seen by the end of the day. And it's like, uh, so, yeah, that that definitely that stresses me out. But it's just the whole world has moved online because of coronavirus, you know, and how else am I supposed to socialize? I know. No, it's hard. It's a lot. There's a lot going on that I didn't think about how that would shift like. I don't know. Like, I I actually, I've had a lot of people and a lot of people in this community even reach out and be like, oh, my gosh, I feel so bad for my friends with kids that, you know, all of a sudden now they have kids at home and they're trying to teach and manage and and entertain and, like, keep sanity and also work. But I, at the same time and with the same sort of, well, when I have the space to, I feel a little bit more worried about single people and people who, like, usually get to go out and like date and go to you know work out like you know do their workouts at a gym and like engage with people and have drinks and you know that like everything has been cut off and to me that seems much more pressing of an issue than me who literally you know I'm surrounded by people all the time and I just want you just want a moment like I would rather have like I don't know to me that just that that seems very worrisome like I I kind of worry about you know my single friends and all of that and I think it's interesting because like a lot in the beginning all of us were really we're like zoom family calls and zoom dates and all that and now everybody's (laughs) like screw zoom like I'm so done with it yeah I mean I felt that way all along and I've I've, yeah you know been saying that all along that it is uh humans are social creatures you know and I'm I mean I'm deeply concerned and it's it's just a really big question of you know where we're gonna do our best well a lot of us are gonna you know we're all gonna do our best in different ways <laughs> we're all gonna do our best in different ways and um hopefully minimize harm but the harm will come in many many forms you know? i know i know yeah i think there's gonna be a lot of fortunate un- side effects of stay-at-home orders and all of that that are just we're not gonna see until later and it's it's a lot so 2020 man i tell you what yeah. Okay, would you like to just talk about something much less <laughs> heavy, <laughs> like poofas? Yeah, okay. except those are molecularly heavy. Okay. Uh, oh, oh, science <laughs> joke. <laughs> this question is from Melanie. I would love to hear your thoughts on Ray Pete and or his ideas on thyroid metabolism and poofas. A rogue but increasingly popular idea is that... PUFAs, particularly seed oils, but potentially even in whole foods form, are actually the most inflammatory thing in our diet and potentially the cause behind insulin and metabolic issues. If not, even more detrimental things like down the line, like cancer as a result of metabolic issues. It is thought that since PUFAs are unstable and not well processed by the body, they contribute to excess weight gain, insulin resistance, diabetes, metabolic syndrome, and so much more. Our body fat tends to reflect the, the I think she means dietary fat, of mm. our diets. Historically, our... No, she means that the our body fat composition mirrors the fats that we eat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I meant. But it's, But our body fat tends to reflect the body fat 
of our diets, which I would just say are dietary fats, right? I, the, sure. The body fat of our diets is an odd. It reads okay to me. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, the body fat of our diets. Yeah. The fat of our diets. Yeah. Just sure. the fat of like the fat that we eat. Okay. Which is interesting. <laughs> Historically, our body fat was likely around 2 to 3% PUFAs and now maybe 20% or more. Burning these PUFAs, i.e. burning body fat, can therefore even be inflammatory within itself. Thoughts? Should we do PUFA depletion? What are your thoughts on PUFAs and women's health? A lot of subsequent questions here. Um, would we be better off eating fat-free candy than a PUFA nut bomb? Is eating more for me- metabolism only supportive of such if it is a low in PUFA? Can yeah. I just say how much I enjoy hearing you say PUFA like 20 <laughs> times in a paragraph? <laughs> PUFA. Oh. Okay. PUFAs are polyunsaturated fatty acids. The fatty acid spectra. Okay. So you have a mm, chain of molecules. That's why I said that they could be heavy because they can be long. Uh, you have a molecule. And when it is a fully saturated fatty acid, that means that uh, it's pretty chemically unreactive because there are uh, hydrogen atoms uh, and it's all fully bonded. Everything is like locked down. And then when it's unsaturated, you have a uh, hydrogen atom missing, right? And so then it can become a little bit more reactive because there's like a chemical bond that's not quite complete and it will like bond with other stuff. And so the more unsaturated something is, the more reactive it is. So you have saturated fats, which aren't very reactive, like butter. Uh, and then you have and lard and, and most animal fats are pretty Coconut high in fat. Coconut Come on. oil. I was getting there. Okay. <laughs> um, but but not entire but it's not entirely. Uh, anyway, so uh, but mostly. And then you have monounsaturated fats, which uh, you might find in some plant fats, like olive oil. Uh, and avocados, I believe. Uh, and the, uh, animal fats also are, uh, to some degree, monounsaturated. And then uh, polyunsaturated, which have multiple uh, spots. Um, Omega-3s and omega-6s are polyunsaturated. These are PUFAs. Uh, and so um, the polyunsaturated fatty acids, uh, omega-3s and omega-6s, play important roles in the immune system. And there are a couple of little variants of these that are deemed essential fatty acids because your body doesn't make them. Now, can an adult human live without them? Yes, an infant cannot. <laughs> so you, you must, especially if you're breastfeeding, you know, don't don't forego the poofas entirely, um, the omega threes and sixes. Um, and we have always said, and it's been known for quite some time. I mean, it's it's not a radical idea that polyunsaturated fatty acids are reactive and minimizing them in your diet should be, is important, right? Um, we've, we've said for a long time, yes, you need to eat a little bit of omega-6 and there's been too much omega-6 in our diets. And so it needs to be uh, counteracted with omega-3, but like really significantly increasing the quantity of these is not a good idea. So absolutely what you want to do is get them in the right balance because omega-6s tend to be pro-inflammatory, omega-3s tend to be anti-inflammatory. You want to get them in the right balance and then keep their levels relatively low. And a great way to do that is to keep seed oils out of your diet, to not eat deep fried or processed foods, uh, to just focus on whole foods. And that way, 
uh, you will get omega-6s from your animal products. And if you consume some nuts, and uh, those are pretty high in omega-6s, but they're reasonably healthy. Uh, and then your omega-3s, which you can get from grass-fed uh, food sources and also, of course, from fish, from fatty fish, although those are problematic because uh, they have been so uh, polluted, unfortunately. So it's, it's hard to – anyway – Source. It's hard to figure out. Sourcing yeah, it's hard to source. It's it's hard to figure out how to get um, well sourced fish. Uh, so anyway, like that's that in a nutshell. Um, and yeah, I absolutely think, absolutely, like uh, seed oils are one of our big four. Like, mm-hmm. are they the most toxic thing in the diet? Yeah, maybe. You know, very well, maybe. You know, they're extremely inflammatory. They create um, all sorts of reactive possibilities in your body that lead to deterioration, that lead to aging, that lead to inflammation. Um, and so I definitely, yeah, like it's, it's, I, I agree. And I don't think that's a radical idea. Now, the possibly radical idea is, do we need to detox from PUFAs, right? Like, is the fat in my everywhere, you know, wherever it is, is, is the fat on my body, uh, uh, inflammatory omega-6 fat? And does it, you know, is, are there too many omega-6 fats in my body and do I need to detox? Maybe if you have eaten a diet, very, very high in processed foods, studies have estimated that the amount of the balance of omega-6 to omega-3 in the American, the standard American diet is not great. You know, studies put it at uh, 10 times as much omega-6 to 3, maybe 20 times as much omega-6 to omega-3, whereas it should be 2 to 1, right? Mm-hmm. So there's, there's a huge uh, disparity, but that's from eating, you know, foods that are basically just soaked in seed oils. If you've been doing that, if you have a history of doing that, if you have a lot of weight to lose, uh, the benefits of losing the weight are probably greater than the problems with burning it off. Like it has to be burned off eventually, right? If you're trying to um, get down to a healthier body fat level. And if you haven't really been eating that kind of diet, I don't think that this is a major concern you've consumed the fats at some point and they need to be you know processed at some point or not they can just continue to hang out in, as in your fat stores uh, so i really this sort of falls in, for me personally this sort of falls into the category of like nitpicking unnecessarily right like is is this going to be the th- this is the uh, carrageenan effect carrageenan yeah, yeah like yeah like um I agree. Is this going to be the thing? Yeah, absolutely. Like it says here, you know, this can contribute, PUFAs can contribute to insulin and metabolic issues. Noelle and I have always said that inflammation is the most important thing to rectify when you're dealing with your insulin problems. You know, it's not a high-carb diet. It's fundamentally inflammation. But PUFAs aren't the only cause of inflammation. They're one of them, right? Uh, and and a, a tough one, but they're one of them. And then uh, will that down the line, can that l- possibly contribute to cancer. Yeah, anything that contributes to a dysregulated inflammatory system can contribute to cancer. Sure. Yeah. Um, but I, I, yeah, I just personally don't, your body has processes built into it in the liver that help it detox. And 
I would emphasize eating an anti-inflammatory diet and supporting your liver and whether you're losing weight or not, like that should do whatever it can to help you uh, process the PUFAs as you eat them or burn them for neural fat stores. And then like, that's that, you know, what? Mm-hmm. that's that, you know, what do you think? Yeah, I actually think our body is really, really great at adjusting and getting rid of the stuff, the crappy stuff. And like you said, detoxifying and um, adjusting and reducing inflammation when we're eating an anti-inflammatory diet. So say, like you said, uh, I think one of the the most terrible things that is (laughs) one of the most terrible decisions besides everybody moving from butter to trans fats was everybody starting to cook with canola oil. Like, that is what it was 10, 15 years ago was vegetable oils were what, you know, and still to this day, again, I live in a bubble, but still to this day, if I get outside of the bubble, plenty of people have canola oil, and that's what they bake with, that's what they cook with, they spray with Pam, and so I I just... It's um, thinking about all of that stuff, being exposed to super high heat and like just being in food and in baked goods and all that. It's it's a lot. And so it's also in a lot of baked goods, obviously, that you would buy from the grocery store. It's in a lot of pro- like refined foods that you'd buy from the grocery store. So why Steph and I said to reduce seed oils or that's part of the big four is because that eliminates. That's again, I do think it's one of the number one causes of inflammation, if not I I think it is the number one. And when you reduce that and remove it, you are by default getting rid of all those very highly processed foods. And you're cooking now with a whole stable fat, nutrient-dense fat like coconut oil. So I think that by doing that and shifting over to more stable fats, and I'm so glad that you remembered all of that scientific knowledge, because as you were saying it, I was like, oh, I did learn this once, (laughs) but it was so perfectly said. I was like, yay. And I remember even drawing out the little things. Anyway, that was a perfect, you know, depiction of what like why it is so important to have us to be consuming stable fats when we're cooking with unstable fats they are that that's very volatile like it's it's again causes inflammation and we're exposing these highly refined oils seed oils that were extracted from very small like thing, seeds that were not they just were not we're not supposed to be taking the oil from these things but you know then we're ex- the extraction process is very damaging and hi- it, it's highly refined, and then we're exposing it to even more heat in the cooking, not to mention canola oil and most seed oils are are in op- like clear plastic containers. So it, yes, I think that the number one thing you can do for your health is to s- get rid of the seed and the vegetable seed and or like those are intertwined or, or interchangeable, sorry, seed vegetable oils, um, seed oils, get rid of the seed oils. And stop cooking with them immediately. Stop using fake butter alternatives that are nothing but, you know, vegetable oil blends or whatever. Just don't do that. I think that by doing that and making that switch, your body will make positive shifts and get rid of a lot of that crap. Get rid of a lot of that inflammation and some of that... um, unstable fat that may or may not have been 
stored in your body from this period of time. I think naturally when you start considering whole foods, you move to more whole foods and you switch out your fats and how you're cooking and, and what you're using, your body's naturally going to come much more back into balance. It's going to detoxify a lot of crap and it's going to detoxify better in general. Like you're supporting your body's detoxification processes when you eat a whole foods diet. So you're removing the need to detox things, but then you're also supporting your, like the things that you're detoxing, but then you're supporting your body's own detoxification processes in the process, which just creates a much better system overall. And um, I think well, that's why it leads to better metabolic function and less inflammation. And so I think just moving to a whole foods diet is enough. Focusing on quality and swapping out all your oils is enough. I don't think you need to, excuse me, proactively detoxify or deplete PUFAs from your body and try to get them burned off. I, I think that's, again, that is focusing on things that are not really, it's, it's getting hyper-focused on these tiny little things, which in the end don't make all of that much difference. So I would rather you remove the oils, do a healthy diet, and then test, don't guess, test and figure out do, what are my inflammatory markers? What's my metabolic health like? Um, you know, what's my cortisol function? All that stuff. You can get solid information about your body and where it is and inflammation and metabolic function and insulin and C-reactive protein. You can get all of that information tested. You can, you can go see what that looks like. So do, do that as opposed to chasing after, I need to deplete PUFAs. Yes? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Question cool. number two is from Jacqueline. I would be interested in how your Enneagram and personality type has impacted your health and wellness journey in hindsight and considering foresight also. I know we chatted a bit about this before, Noelle. This is um, Jacqueline. I interviewed her in a bonus episode. And I'm reading a new book that is fascinating about how personality patterns manifest in body behaviors. And I can't help but see how unprocessed stress based on perfectionist tendencies probably started and propagated all of my health cycles. Am I alone in doing a lot of internal historical childhood experience? Sorry, I need to increase this font size. I'm not doing very well. Spiritual discovery and self-reflection throughout my health journey? This is an interesting question, and that's why books like the one you're reading are currently being written. Uh, in fact, people are, well, the question of how interested we are in our own identities and stories can be left for another time. But they, you know, it's it's totally worth digging into our own narratives and understanding ourselves. Like, in my perspective, self-knowledge is the most empowering thing. You know, learning about yourself and why you are the way you are, like that helps you make smarter choices. So I'm a thousand percent about it. I will say I am a little bit wary. I just I try really hard to be very critical of myself when I identify patterns. You know, like humans will. It's very interesting. If uh, psychologists put people in an empty room with a button and they say, like, every time you do the secret thing right, like, we'll ding the bell. And so people start like doing stuff, like hitting the button with different patterns or like touching the ceiling. Uh, and people people will end up thinking that they figured out like what the secret pattern is, but there isn't one, right? Everybody just thinks there is. And there was, uh, I read one study where a girl was like jumping to touch the ceiling and, and she was like exhausted, right? Or uh, running around, that sort of thing. So the moral of this tiny story is that humans 
it's very easy to see patterns and sometimes they're there and sometimes they're not. And I, I don't ever want to take my personal experience because there's so many different personality types, right. And impute it on my, on, on a type or take what I read about a type and necessarily then make it about me. And so I just, I want everybody to be a little bit cautious when we're doing this stuff to uh, step carefully. Um, and I'm sure that Noelle's got tons of thoughts on personality types, uh, Enneagrams and Myers-Briggs. Uh, I know that Noelle is more into the Enneagram. I'm more into Myers-Briggs. And I do spend a lot of time thinking about this sort of thing. I definitely don't think that perfectionism belongs to any particular personality type. I think it might be exhibited in different ways, right? Uh, being a perfectionist about your work or about the way you conduct your friendships or about the way you express yourself in your art. Like I, I think... I think that can take many different forms. Uh, and I think anxiety and depression and, and lots of different problems can take many different forms. And it's just takes, it's harder to recognize them outside of our own personality types, but they're there. So while I do think we can discern commonalities and, and sort of differences and, and draw patterns, uh, I think it's probably like, um, complex. So anyway, what are your thoughts then, Noel? I actually, well, yeah, I agree. I do feel like the Enneagram, I did Myers-Briggs as a kid. I did the Enneagram more intentionally and officially, like, you know, two years ago or whatever. And I do feel like that gave me a lot of, a lot more self-awareness. And I think that that's what we can use from personality tests in terms of how we're using that information to pursue health, improve our own health long-term. So as a three, I think what's been really interesting for me, and I did mention this, I think, last week, was, you know, having kids has sort of opened up my eyes to realizing how much I do put my worth in my productivity and how in my work. So what do I produce and what do people think about me What and what I am producing? And so, for example, I remember, and this is terrible, so I just, I, I recognize this wrong. I used to judge other people who would have babies and would disappear and not actually produce any work. So I remember I, it was actually a friend who just kind of just had a baby and just disappeared and stopped posting and stopped doing blogs and stuff like that. And I was like, gosh, like, why wouldn't you have all that planned out? <laughs> and of course, you know, that was me being very uneducated, but also and having zero experience or understanding about postpartum and the, the struggle is real. Right. But it also was me using my lens of, well, everything like your productivity and what you produce your work is how people see you like how could you not care about that that's what you know that's all I care about so it it's an interesting perspective it's just a it's better self-awareness for me to understand am I doing this because I really care and it's important to me or not or am I doing this for the appearance and or am I doing it for the title or am I doing it because I care about what other people are thinking about me? And that's something that has been hugely beneficial for me because it free once I was able to recognize that, I think it it, it I ask that question all the time and then it frees me up to do what I genuinely want to do. Noelle, what would you do if it didn't matter and nobody was watching? And that's that's kind of what I do now in terms of the work that I do and I I mean a lot of things have fallen to the wayside and I don't do as much anymore, you know, in, in certain spaces because I want to put more time into, let's say, you know, this podcast. And so 
And even like, even if the podcast doesn't grow and our numbers don't grow and, you know, the reviews don't grow, it doesn't matter to me because this is what I want to be doing. And I feel like this is where I make uh, uh, the most impact and where I connect the most with, with people and can share and help. And so that's basically what I have to do moving forward. When it comes to health, I, I have to use that information also because I know that I can push myself too hard. I know that I can, like Steph said, I think perfectionism can exist. You know, we have, type, are you type one or type two or type A or type B? You know, we have all these types and everything. We try, you know, introvert or extrovert. And I, I think all that stuff can just be used to help us understand what our tendencies are. What are our tendencies? What happens when we are stressed? How do we react? And I know how I react. I know that I'm more prone to anxiety. I know that I'm prone to pushing myself. I know that I'm prone to want to stay up and not sleep. And, you know, that what are all of those negative health consequences of my personality type is, is something that I definitely am way more aware of now as opposed to, you know, 10 years ago. Thankfully, too, I would say the Enneagram and just self-awareness of different, you know, am I, am I a type A? Am I, you know, an extrovert? And I guess I've always kind of known that, but I am a very determined person who will pursue. And I just have to be able to keep that in check and recognize and say, nope, you didn't get this done. You didn't check the box, but that's fine. You need to shut the computer and go to bed. And I've had those conversations and it feels like you have a scratch that you cannot itch and it's very uncomfortable, but I do know that like I have to drop it, you know, and move on. And there's a lot of things that sit and don't get done and that sucks and I hate it, but it's way better for my health than to try to like screw myself by trying to get something done. I like the conversation too around nature versus nurture, which is like the oldest issue in psychology, which is, you know, how how much do your, what what are the contributions to your personality and to who you are? when it comes to genetics versus the environmental factors and how and what you were how you were raised and what was the environment in in which you were raised in other words your parents and what you were exposed to and i f- i find that that's super interesting as well they've they've had a lot of interesting studies where twins were separated at birth and and put in two very different families and had very very similar life outcomes in two very one in one out way out in farmland one in the city and it just was very interesting to understand or think about you know what what plays into that as well like what plays into somebody's personality and who I am and my health issues and obviously we know health issues can be genetic so we have to take that into effect but also how our environment can impact that as well so like Stephanie said it's all very complicated and there's a lot that plays into it but I do think self-awareness overall is better for our health long term because we know what we are prone to do in times of stress and we can proactively <laughs> stop the the negative health behaviors that we may be prone to. For example, like I don't want to just talk about threes, but like you know twos. For example, Enneagram twos. I know they're big feelers and they feel others others emotions and they're empathetic. And so, yeah, like I think that that is hugely that's a that brings a lot of self awareness too. You know, if you're a feeler and you're very empathetic, you've got to proactively protect yourself. You know, you've got to protect your time and your emotions. And I agree. I definitely have seen people with many different personality types, right? The stress just comes out in different ways. So get to, you know, get to know you. And I definitely recommend I would def I would say for these personality types, yes, take the quizzes, but also 
I would read about all of the different kinds of types and just sort of see if the emotional landscapes in them make sense to you, if the ideas, the personalities make sense to you, uh, because that can be really helpful. And also it can give you knowledge about other people and their stress and that sort of thing. So yeah. I, I would sort of explore the, the whole landscape and just get to know the, the concepts. Why do you prefer Myers-Briggs? Mm. Um, well, it's not that I see the Enneagram as a way to understand ways in which people are motivated and pursue goals, right? So uh, I am a three and I am motivated by success and achievements. And I know twos who are motivated by love and ones who are motivated by a moral thing. And we wrap our identities around with, you know, our the ways in which we sort of pursue love and, and validation and safety and all that sort of stuff. That's how I see the Enneagram. And I don't think it's useless, but the Myers-Briggs is uh, very much about uh, your personality. And it's very close to the way that, very, very close to the way that like professional psychology looks at different personality traits, such as introversion and extroversion, uh, such as uh, the organizational structure of your mind, such as, um, you know, the spectra between thinking and feeling. And most importantly for me, most importantly for me, is the division between whether you're a practical, grounded, detail-oriented human or an abstract thinker. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really important to me because I'm a 100% an abstract thinker. And this means that I forget my keys every day, <laughs> basically. Um that sort of thing. And it, it really helps me all of these different, these four different letters helps me understand people and certain personality types are like, I just know that they resonate with me very deeply. We hold space for each other really well. I know I see the challenges and interacting with, with, you know, other sorts of things. And so I really like how that helps me uh, understand like how people function, which I think is different than understanding like what drives people. And they're complementary, but I, I definitely focus a lot on uh, understanding the, you know, the little personality bits. Um, yeah, no, that was good. That was good over you. I didn't, I have I never really had seen it that way, I guess. I don't, I'm not like huge into personality tests or anything. Like I, I've taken them, I've, I've studied them and all that kind of stuff, but I, I guess I don't. I'm not into it as you are. I'm not. I'm not an academically. Yeah. Either. So, like, when you and I, the first time you and I talked about this, I think I properly identified you, you as did. a ESFJ. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so, um, like, that's really important to me because I understand how your extroversion and extroversion often involves like a component of enthusiasm that can be directed outwards, and that has been very helpful for us and has provided a way for me to be a little bit more backseat, but you understand that I still really care and contribute and you can like sort of push forward because you have more of that like outgoing energy. And the aspect means that you are better at looking at details and you're better at graphics graphics and aesthetics. And uh, it's just, uh, I trust your opinion in that and, and, and you're better at that. But also with the end bit that I bring, like, I, you know, I do all this grand theorizing, right? And then with the T and the J, like you're just, you're also very organized. And so like understanding these things about you and these things about me helps me understand like how we can complement each other and how I can support you with my tools, you know? So- mm-hmm. I think you said yes, F. It, it, 
You said it right. ESF. No, I'm EST. Or EST. You said it right. Yeah, I said it right the second time. Yeah. Yeah. We'll link to both of those in the show notes if everybody's (laughs) like, what the heck is the Enneagram? I did actually do a whole episode with the woman from Enneagram and Coffee, Sarah Jane Case. Sarah Jane, I think that's her. Oh, cool. Yeah, so it was fun. Um, We talked a lot about it. But yeah, I I really, I find a a lot of value from self-awareness, especially in terms of your health. We'll put, we'll put a hat on it there. Okay, question number three from Clarice. Any advice on emotional support during these trying times? I normally feel anxious, but for the first time in my life, I'm feeling really angry, even though I'm very blessed with everyone home all the time. The house is a mess. My toddler is always bored, and I'm in my first trimester of pregnancy feeling really lousy. I feel angry at everyone and no one. First lockdown, then watching this horrible horrible inequality in our country, and now being pregnant with this virus most of the following year, I will be very limited in what can keep my pregnancy mentally healthy. I'm normally seeing friends, going to the store alone, etc. Eating out would be a break and a mental health time for me. Would love to hear some easy self-care ideas. Thanks. Uh, yeah, so I'm I'm very happy to talk about anger because... I don't actually know if I've talked about this much on the podcast, but I have anger's my zone. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I tend to when I have a negative emotion, I tend to end up channeling it that way, uh, and am a very irritable person actually. And the thing about anger is, it's uh, it's like a bigger form of frustration with the way things are. And in some ways, it can be a very, very useful emotion because it can give you the energy you need to make changes that need to happen. I tell people all the time, like anger can be a fantastic tool, especially in fights against injustices or uh, keeping people you love safe, right? It keeps you going. But at the same time, it feeds itself and some of your behaviors can feed it. And so you need to be very careful to let anger and other emotions you know, be something that you use, but don't let it use you, right? So anger, sadness, anxiety, it's very easy when you're experiencing these negative emotions to enact behaviors and consume media that further them right? You feel sad, you watch sad movies, you feel anxious, you read the news, and you know it's not going to make you feel better, but you do it anyway, right? And you're angry, and you go on Facebook, and you make comments, <laughs> you know? And and it doesn't make it better. You think it's going to satisfy you, but it only makes it worse. There's a branch of scholarship right now that's uh, very popular called affect theory. And one of the foundational tenets of affect theory is that affects like an an affect, uh, anger, you could consider an affect and anxiety and sadness. Like they, they seek more of themselves and we think we're going to be satisfied when, 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 when we do that. And there is some sort of like, you know, there is some sort of satisfaction in saying like, yeah, yeah, I got this feeling. Uh, but also it like really, really sucks and it just pulls you and it's a vicious cycle. So the important thing is identifying the things that make us sad and anxious and angry And then having uh, two categories of responses to them, I think. Uh, One is fixing the situation, if it can be fixed. And two is accepting the situation, if it cannot. These are our options in these times. You know, for my personal circumstances, when lockdown started, I was literally thinking, how can I survive a week of this? Because my entire life, my energy runs on the energy out in the world. I wake up, I go to the library immediately. 
I'm out. I live alone in a tiny, crappy studio apartment, or I did uh, precisely because I never had to be there. And I hated being there alone. And I thought, how the, how am I going to do this? Right. And four months later, I'm still doing it. And there have been, I have made some changes and I have learned to accept, accept some things. And I think really calibrating your expectations appropriately is also very, very important, right? If you expect that things are going to be a certain way and they're not, then you can fall into the pits of despair, anxiety, anger. They're all in the same soup. Your body, you just, you know, (laughs) uh, for whatever reason, you gravitate towards one more than the others at different points in time. So, uh, yeah, that's definitely what I recommend for the rest of 2020 and for all of our lives, uh, essentially going forward, you know, that thing, that quote, what is it? God grant me the serenity to, um, identify whatever, change things, things I can and, uh, accept those I can't and the wisdom to know the difference, something like that. Uh, I think that that's kind of key to dealing with stressful situations and, when you, so when you encounter things that make you feel bad, figure out what they are and then stop if you can. You get the news you need, and but don't let it turn into this spiral, into anger and frustration. You know, you do something about it and then chill. You know, write some letters to your governor and then say, okay, I did my part. Now I'm going to take a nap, right? Um that's definitely uh, that's definitely what I do and how I have managed to get, you know get through some emotional spots that were pretty uh, troubling for me throughout this time. Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to stop and you know. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's great. I think the one thing that I'll add too is that during when you're pregnant, it, it, pregnancy is just a heightened state of anxiety, mm. and. I think that that just helps to know that you are not alone and that it's normal to feel this way. It's normal to feel anxious. It's normal to feel upset. It's normal to be upset, you know, and nervous and scared and fearful, especially when the world is really scary right now. So by being able to take a step back and recognize that those are normal feelings and maybe you don't have to solve them ever so quickly and that you can let them mm-hmm. sit. It's. I think that that's very helpful. It's a very helpful mentality. And one of the things that I think has been really helpful for me during a lot of this, and just with my anxiety and my kids in general, is just to take it day by day. So to wake up and say, what can I do today? <laughs> what are the things on my checklist? Which a lot of the times it's just stay alive, you know, keep, keep everybody alive and fed. And... Like Stephanie said, what are little things that I can do to move what move towards a place or move towards my purpose? And by purpose, I don't mean like what's your purpose in life. I mean, where where can I make a difference? What are the things that I'm passionate about? What are the things that I'm being called to? And how can I move towards that? So, check you know have a little thing that you can do. What what is something that you can do that day? And just stay focused on that and take it day by day as opposed to seeing these huge issues and these huge problems and how can I stop feeling this way? That's really the succinct way I, I can say it. Um, and that's kind of how I've had to move forward just with what am I called to? What are the things that I need to do? How can I, what, what, what are the steps that I'm taking? 
and what am I going to do today? What am I going to do tomorrow? And how can I plan for, you know, this weekend <laughs> and, and the things yeah. that I want to do? Yeah, I like that. Thinking about, you know, calling like, okay, what can I do? I'm limited in time and energy. What can I do? And how can I take care of myself? You yeah. know, that's really it. Anything uh, more you want to add? No, I don't think so. Okie dokie. That's it from us. Follow Stephanie at Health to Empower on Instagram. You can follow me, Coconuts and Kettlebells, on Instagram. We will be back. Don't you worry. And if you want to hang out with us in the meantime, go to our Facebook group, Well-Fed Women Holistic Health Community. You will have to request to join because it is private because we have lots of private conversations. So come on over and hang out with us there. Thank you all. We love you. We mean it. We'll talk to you next week.